Hey listeners, this is Gavin. Just a real quick note about this episode. The sound quality is maybe not up to our normal standard, but I did want to put a note out there. This was our second time trying to record this episode. There were a lot of issues. There's been a heat wave. Who knows what happened? But we really do appreciate you coming back every two weeks. Thank you so much for your support. This show is a real labor of love, and I hope you enjoy it. Gavin. Hey, Louie. Second time around, baby. Oh, yeah. This is False Start Friday on a Monday. <laughs> you know, this is what happens when we fall out of our rhythm and fall out of our, um, you know, our good groove. But, you yeah. know, life happens. Life happens. Um, to quote Jeff Goldblum, life uh, 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 finds a way. There you go. And podcasts um work harder than the devil um and podcasters well we are the devil hi everyone this is mixed reviews we are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor director or a mini genre and we take two weeks or sometimes a month and <laughs> we watch as much as we can do as much research as possible spit it all back out at you and then we tell you what we like and what we don't like so much it ha- has it been a month holy shit yeah you it's know, been a month Sorry for making you guys wait, but you know, a little anticipation never hurt anybody, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, we mix up the reviews and sometimes we even bring friends. Um, With that being said, we are not alone. The return of the Miss Wonderful Samantha Stallard. She's here. Hey guys. I was thrilled to have a month. I don't know about you. We do try and give our guests as much time as possible, but you got as much time as possible. We said we're going to need need to push that back a week, and you said, fine. And I was like, we're going to need to push it back (laughs) another week. (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) Um, But yes, Samantha, this is Samantha's return, only the second guest to return um, after the glorious Dan Mecca. We are so lucky and glad to have you here, bebe. before we get started to talk about why Sam has gathered us here today, um, let's take care of some old business. Um, our last episode, we talked about John Waters. We told you guys to go online and, and vote for your favorite John Waters film. Here are the results. In last place was Pink Flamingos with 13%. Female Trouble came in next at 16%. Hairspray came in, in second place with 25%. And both me and Gavin's pick, Serial Mom, came out on top with 46%. Strong showing for Serial Mom. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's mostly because, you know, I think Serial Mom's the crowd pleaser, um, as I said at the last time we tried recording this. Um, <laughs> and I, I really do genuinely think it's the one that, like, for some reason is the most mainstream, even though it is gross and wacky. Mm-hmm. And But I was a little shocked for how few turnouts there were for Pink Flamingos, but yep. maybe our audience just isn't that gross. Yeah, maybe. Um, we had a couple of shout-outs for Polyester. Um, I think one for Pecker. Uh, Sam, what, what, what's your what's your favorite um, John Waters? Oh, I'm so basic. I grew up on um, Cry Baby on VH1. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. And then I dabbled in Hairspray, and it was of course off to the races from there. But I do agree that Serial Mom, and I actually learned listening to that episode that that was John Waters. I just truly never thought about oh. it. Oh, so. Right. <laughs> you were just like, the 90s were weird. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I was like, yeah. we're the 90s kooky. I feel like we're going to talk about that a lot today, but 
yeah 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 you're like who directed this nasty little piece of work (laughs) (laughs) um we also have a couple of reviews we wanted to share with you guys really quickly uh so gavin why don't you go first absolutely so as i mentioned before i would really like us to try and get to a hundred apple podcast reviews by the end of 2022 we're currently sitting at a lovely 79 which means we've gotten more reviews but that you know i i would i would like to get a little further you know Mm -hmm. uh but As we do say at the end of every episode, if you do leave us an Apple Podcast review, we'll read it on the show. And our first one comes all the way from Australia. Uh, The title is First Time, and it says, First time listening to the podcast, and guys, thank you. Your chemistry is amazing, and I love the way you guys talk about actors slash actresses and movies. I was at the gym listening to you guys, and the time went by so quick, thanks to you. And I hate the gym. Yes, girl, queen. Yes. (laughs) That's, That's from Luis the Third, and Luis, agree. Yeah, hard, okay. hard saying, girly. I do not do not like the gym. Um, okay, I got this next one. Love these girlies. The Barbara episode drew me in, but the research, the attention, the humor, and the fun made a fan. Gavin and Louie make a great team, and each episode feels like sitting around listening to good friends talk about film. I love what you guys do, and I don't think there's been an episode that didn't leave me wanting at least one movie I've never seen before. Um, I now want to see... Thanks for being a light in dark times. Oh, thank you so much, Bradley GC. Um, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, please, yes, write in a nice little thing for us. We, we deeply appreciate it. And we love, you know, being silly little silly billies for you. And when you're at the gym or, you know, driving in traffic or whatever. Um, but okay, now on to why we're here. Sam, uh, why don't you tell the children, you know, what you... Uh, Sam does this a lot, you know, because me and Sam hang out all, all the time. And she'll just, like, every casually once in a while be like, so I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) I do consider myself um, the PR representation of text reviews. Correct. And you do great work. Yeah. I can't complain. I'm glad glad my (laughs) clients are happy. Um, But I I will text Louie just a random idea I have. And I've had several that have made it and a couple that haven't. So I'll be yeah. checking up on those. Yeah. Um, the Disney Channel original movies episode. Yeah, Circling, circling back. back. For my last text <laughs> message. Yeah. <laughs> but I texted him out of the blue and was just like, it's got to be Brendan Fraser. Mm. And it's, I have learned it's Fraser. So I'm really going to practice saying that. Yes. <laughs> okay. So everyone right up front, we're letting everyone know it's Fraser, not Fraser. Fraser. I remember years ago, he. The, I think it was in one of their commercials, but it was like a Daily Show commercial where he was being interviewed, and he was like, "It's not Frasier, yeah, the, it's right, Fraser." The, uh, the eye is missing. There is no Fraser like the show. It's Fraser, er, like laser. Yes. Um. And so, Sam, <laughs> what made you think of Brendan, and like, what? How did you become a fan of his? I definitely became a fan of his. I mean, I think. If I could define my childhood, it would be just cable. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> we already talked about VH1, but Brendan was a heavy hitter on TBS. Let me yes. tell you. I put him in heavy rotation on there. And so I remember seeing Encino Man and George of the Jungle when I was little and just being like, he is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said body like, wow. Body like, wow. And then I slowly realized that we owned many Brendan Fraser DVDs at home. And I was like, so my mom was like, body like, wow. (laughs) The Stallard family was hooked. 
we were horny for Fraser. Okay. So yeah. And then I've obviously, obviously have TikTok because I'm in my thirties. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> my algorithm knew they said she wants to see the Renaissance content. Yes. Yes. So and it's I've upon seen us. all the videos of him at the signings being adorable and sweet and so sensitive, our little emotional boy. Mm-hmm. And I realized that while I had my like tried and true favorites, I had not even scratched the surface. So I thought it would be fun to see what I missed along the years. And a lot of it could have stayed missing. But (laughs) (laughs) the reviews were mixed. Is that a read? Um, Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I mean, not to be those guys, but like, yes, he is very hot. And I think for a lot of people our age you know we saw him in george of the jungle where he wore nothing but a butt flap and a prayer and and lots and lots of oil and he definitely gives good himbo yeah. energy um he he he, ma- he makes good himbo he, he does good himbo um but i similarly was surprised to find he had he, first of all he has a lot more movies than i thought he did um yeah and i didn't get to all of them i got to as many as i could but um I was like, he has a lot more dramatic roles than I thought. Where I mean, and, and possibly because they just weren't as popping as like the Mummy and you know things of that ilk. Right. Um, but yes, there's a lot there. He's not just a hot bod, Sam. Okay, so please respect that. Right. Sorry. <laughs> but but I have seen interviews, even recent interviews, where he has said, you know, for a certain number of moms. And yes. babysitters. Yes. George of the Jungle was it. Mm-hmm. And now he has a certain number of female fans yes. who were being babysat. Okay. <laughs> and George of the Jungle is it mm-hmm. for them too. Oh, so yeah. like he gets it. He knows. He knows. Very good. Well, so Gavin, I guess we should get into this rewind and find out a little bit more about the man behind the bod. I was gonna say the loincloth, <laughs> oh. but the bod works. <laughs> I was gonna say the oil, so <laughs> Brennan James Fraser was born December 3rd, 1968. That makes him a cool 53 years old. So he's still quite young. Mm-hmm. And a Sagittarius. Ooh, <laughs> I know nothing about... Um... This is why we bring Sam on the show. <laughs> Our tarot girly. I, I know nothing about astrology. And I like to post the memes every now and then because they make me laugh. But I don't feel mm-hmm. connected to it. Yeah, so, yeah. But I feel I feel like if I tell you now that I'm a Capricorn, you're going to be like, oh that makes God. sense. Such a Capricorn thing to say. <laughs> you set it up and Sam knocks it down. <laughs> um, Fraser, uh, the youngest of four boys, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, his parents are Canadian, Carol May and Peter Fraser. His mother was a sales counselor and his father was a former journalist who worked as a Canadian Foreign Service Officer for the Government Office of Tourism. As I mentioned before, three older brothers, Kevin, Regan, Sean, very like Irish, Mm. Scottish, German, Czech, French, Canadian ancestry. He is white. The whitest of whites. The whitest of whites. Um, He does hold both American and Canadian dual citizenship. I do think it's funny that Canada really claims him a lot, even though he was not born there. But he is maybe the most Canadian person we've covered on this show. Like, temperament. 
Yes. Like friendliness. The, For the, sure. Like, yeah, very. do right. Yeah, absolutely. Fraser's family moved often during his childhood. Uh, they lived in Eureka, California, Seattle, Washington, Ottawa, Ontario, the Netherlands, and Switzerland. Because his father was working for the Board of Tourism, he has said that oftentimes he would move every other school year. Wow. That's not super helpful when you're, like, trying to build right. bonds, friendships. Yeah, I could see that being hard for a young Brendan. For anybody. I he was hot. <laughs> yeah, good, good thing. <laughs> It'd be terrible if he had to move schools every two years and he was Quasimodo. Right. <laughs> uh, I can say that because I'm a descendant of Quasimodo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> That's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> he attended Upper Canada College, which was a private boarding school in Toronto for a time. And then while on vacation in London, he attended his first professional theater show in the West End. And that he was like, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's it. That's, it was, that's it was what a, I want to do. It was a performance of Cats. And he said, hold on. Now, hold on. <laughs> you you oh. say that. But, uh, you know, he, he does talk about how, like, when he was in college, which we're getting to, uh, he used to watch, like, acting tapes of Ian McKellen and whatnot. And Ian McKellen's in the Cats movies. So Wow. And One degree of Ian, Ian McKellen. And then obviously they're both in uh, Gods and Monsters. But, yeah, yeah. You know. He graduated from Seattle's Cornish College of Arts in 1990, and he began acting at a small acting college in New York City. And he was planning on getting his MFA, his Master of Fine Arts in Acting, from Southern Methodist University. <laughs> but on his way there, he decided to stop over and visit some friends in Hollywood. Right. Sleep on some floors. He it took was the long pilots. way. He took the yeah. long way. <laughs> you know, New York, California. Texas. Yeah, all the same. It's right. really... Right. They they often say America is one nation divided by a common language. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so he like stops over in Hollywood and it's pilot season. And he's like... To just like land in Hollywood and then just get your big break. Right. Imagine. To yeah. what a world. Every actor in the world. What a world. <laughs> like. I came down to uh, Los Angeles. I had a scholarship to study at a graduate level. Um, I figured, you know, it didn't start till the next semester. I'll stop and I'll try and get some of these student loans paid off with one of these pilot things or do a commercial or something and pass through Los Angeles. Logistically speaking, and so I, um, I, I, I auditioned. Um, I didn't get the part. They moved on. I think they changed directors. Um, I think I went off. I did get a pilot uh, that never saw the light of day. Um, but the check didn't bounce. I'll tell you that. And I needed the dough at the time. <laughs> so he goes in. He starts trying to land roles, and he actually ends up landing his first film. So in 1991, he makes his acting debut in a film. As a sailor headed to Vietnam in the film Dogfight. Now, I did not watch this, even though he references it quite a lot in his interviews, uh, because I, like he literally plays Sailor One. He doesn't even have a character name. I would like to see this movie at some point, but I didn't feel it was essential for this. Did either of you stop by Dogfight? I did not. I didn't. And then I was like, I really want to see the scene he's in. But then I got too scared to Google dogfight so right I right just <laughs> let it be <laughs> smart then he lands his first leading role in the 1992 comedy film encino man he plays a frozen prehistoric caveman who is thought out and 
present day. What a pitch. What what a concept. Well, what's really funny about this is School Ties was shot first, but he's like literally doing these two films like Mm. back to back. Actually, we shot School Ties before I did Encino Man. At the time I was testing for School Ties, uh, one phone call that came through my agent's office was, listen, we hear he's testing for School Ties. Tell him we'll offer him the part of the caveman if he doesn't. But I knew where my priorities lay and I wanted to, I wanted to do School Ties a, a great deal. School Ties is a drama in which he plays a, a Jewish boy who goes to a private boarding school, which is very anti-Semitic. It's a lot of the early, like... It's Matt Damon, it's young Ben Affleck, it's Chris O'Donnell. It's funny that he would start off with both of these like polar opposite yeah. films. Uh, I watched both for this. I've seen both before, but not neither of them since childhood. Uh, what, what were your guys' opinions of these two diametrically opposed films? I think Encino Man holds up. I'm sorry. <laughs> so fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tubular. I am nodding along because, yeah, I was shocked that I was like, Encino Man is so much fun, especially the Polly Shore of it all, which is shocking. I know. Polly Shore is funny. I, I, I think, I think being removed from like that culture and like, I mean, because back then and like a very specific, what, 92, like where the Valley was funny and making fun of the Valley was funny and Polly Shore was everywhere. I'm sure like the overload of it became annoying, but like now, like no one it, it, watching it now removed from all that. It's like the choices Polly Shore was making as a comedian, as a performer are so specific and they're, and they're fucking funny and they're good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. I read, I don't know if this is true, but I, I read that um, <laughs> Brendan beat Jim Carrey for the role and that his audition was him just like, interacting with a plant and yep. the audition gag. room and gag i mean he says maybe 10 words the whole movie ran around and i was awesome there's no lines in this movie oh jeez, oh, i knew a dog who acted like this once wait i think i always no wait that's me never mind um and they hired me um actually they came to me and said no you got to do this really <laughs> you can't find anybody else and i was i said um that's very flattering i think and what's even funnier, too, is so that was initially offered to Polly Shore mm-hmm. and Polly Shore turned it down because there was no dialogue for him. And he's like, he's like, no, I won't get to do the buddy. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the flip of that, School Ties to me is kind of that very I mean, and I think maybe it's because of the time, but I feel like Brendan Fraser was in a lot of these movies where it's like very much like patting yourself on a back type movie where it's like isn't this like a, a bad thing? But like in the end, there's no really like comeuppance. There's no like, it's just like, yes, it is bad. And you have to be good sometimes. Like okay. I, I I didn't dislike it, but the, because we're so removed from the egregiousness right. of it, like it's very much like, what are you doing here? Praying? Right, right. <laughs> it's like literally of all the things this guy could be fucking doing and he's just chilling and like, and literally being tall, gorgeous, perfect football player. Um, I do like him fighting with Matt Damon. I think that's fun. School Ties is tough because School Ties is so heavy-handed. I mean, it was written by Emmy Award winner Dick Wolf oh, of Law right. & Order fame. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and like, based off of his time at, at 
college or high school or one of the two but like it it has roots in reality but it's so hollywood formulaic yes. and honestly there's a bunch of these kind of in brendan fraser's career yes. and and they're a little turn offish i'll be perfectly honest well it's like this it's funny like to look at both of these because throughout his career like if you if you said like oh it's the earliest memory you have of brendan fraser you would say encino man or something to that like you would think of something lighthearted and funny where he's pulling faces which he does so well in encino man you won't say school ties and what's wild is going through this you know his career journey we're going to find a lot more dramatic movies where it's like oh what the fuck he's just not known as a dramatic actor and yet for some reason he and hollywood were like we're gonna keep fucking trying this until it sticks um even though it's just so clear that he's so so much more well suited at being uh, a comedic actor but in both movies, and we will find this as we go through the mall, he both dances and takes his shirt off. And that became like a drinking game to me. <laughs> I like, okay, when's he going to take his shirt off and when's he going to dance? Yes, true. Um, yeah. Down the line, baby. In 1984, he plays Steve Nebraska in The Scout. Forgot about this movie, but yes, I watched this. Yes. I actually watched this too. And it's it's a big fucking year for him. But I, I just wanted to make a pit stop at The Scout because... The Scout is maybe the least carefully written movie I've seen in a really long time because it deals with really, really heavy themes and plays them all for laughs. Yeah, I could not believe the ending of this movie. I could not believe it was over. I, I, (laughs) I really thought we were gonna get some dramatic. So the Scout is about he's a baseball player who's like run away from his daddy issues in Mexico. Long story short, and Mm -hmm. his. He's he's run away from his daddy issues. His daddy issues are abuse so severe that he has blocked them out Correct. of his brain. Correct. Which um, we just spend ninety minutes glossing over. And and yep. And then in the when they find like I you think you're gonna like come and he's um who plays his therapist? Oh, his therapist Diane Weiss. Oh, Diane is his therapist. And you think you're gonna get these really great scenes of him like having catharsis, working through this trauma. Literally nothing. Literally, this movie is so un- uninterested in this guy's healing or like anything. You see him in one therapy session yeah. and that's it. And it's the first one where he's uncomfortable and yeah. like yeah. unwilling to talk about anything. So you're from Mexico. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not from Mexico. I was just down there for a couple of years. Oh, I see. And why Mexico? Because it's um, where I went. Mm-hmm. You don't remember exactly what brought you down there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, not not. Mm. Well, baseball brought you down there, didn't it? Baseball brought me down there. This movie's just so half baked because yes, I, and then I yeah. was trying to give it. Okay, I was like trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I was like, maybe the audience is meant to have the perspective of Albert Brooks's character, where he doesn't see what's going on behind a closed door with the therapist. And then I was like, but that's not a movie, right. like. Right. <laughs> And and that's truly like my favorite bit is after he does the first therapy session and it's so uncomfortable. Diane Weist explains to Albert Brooks, who is the scout, by the way. Albert Brooks is the star of the movie? Question mm-hmm. mark. And uh, she's like, he has these daddy issues that are so severe that if he starts to see you as a father figure, he might kill you. You yeah, you could be in danger. And so even at the end, when this big confrontation happens between them, you're like thinking, oh, this is going to get dark. No, Mm-mm. literally useless information. Mm-hmm. Diane Weiss could have not been in the movie and you wouldn't have missed her based on the movie we got. 
Right. And the yeah. fact that she, because the whole tension is like he has to go through a psychological evaluation before he can play. And she immediately signs this paper saying, yes, he can play. And so it's like, what is the tension in this movie? They resolved it 30 minutes in. Like, I don't understand. I want to bring up the other two films that he does in the same year, which, by the way, bonkers that, you know. He was booked and blessed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, He plays Monty Kessler in With Honors um, and then also co-stars with Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi in Airheads. Uh, It's funny to, like, look at these three films. I guess not The Scout. I think The Scout is forgettable and time has sort of forgotten The Scout. But you look at With Honors and you look at Airheads. And those were also both sort of staples of my childhood. I think because my sister really wanted to go to Harvard. She didn't. Spoiler alert. We <laughs> did not have money. Um, and But like with honors and airheads, I had seen so many times as a kid. Really? I mean, I, this is, again, another classic thing. Like, if you're going to think of like the one movie that he made in 1994, no one's fucking singing with honors. Everyone. I mean, for me, I remember airheads. I, I was like, what the fuck is this movie with uh Joe Pesci and like McDreamy like and th- th- I I texted Sam I was like this is the fucking most white savior bullshit movie oh, yeah. of like and now I'm a good person and now I'm not a Republican um, right. on the flip of that we have airheads which thank, thank God. God and again it's just like and he, he's going back to his Southern California you know the formula is there um, and like literally that lace front just hanging oh on yeah door. oh yeah i mean honey have you ever heard of rock and roll the movie that made me say wait am i attracted to adam sandler yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah adam sandler and it looks really good i i will say uh funny enough so he's like barely wearing a shirt at any point in this movie and mm-hmm. constant so like constant reminder that he has chest hair and then the one scene he gets naked he is completely shaved and I was like, "What? <laughs> what is happening here?" They said, "Get, get the knives out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Airheads. It's fun. It's silly. It is jarring though to see a movie where it's like, "LOL, fake guns." Um, like that used to be a thing. That used to be like kind of the yeah. bit, the gag. And like now, it's like I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> right. I do think that he was very funny in this movie. And I loved when he was walking through his tattoos. He was like, barbed wire, gecko. (laughs) It's an interesting plot. So Airheads, by the way, for this is a a rock band who accidentally take a, a radio station hostage. And the funny thing is, is they're all idiots like that i mean literally airheads and one of the things i like about the movie is it stays true to that that even though brendan fraser does have a point about being true and authentic to yourself and being like he's still a dummy he's like the movie Mm -hmm. never is like and then they were smart no right right he's a dummy they still go to jail (laughs) right they go to jail they go to they don't get away with it i mean they the thing that like makes them they are true to the music. They're true to like, you know, wanting a chance. Cause they're not even like, he's like, can you just please listen to the record? It's not even right. about like I demanding a, a contract. It's like, I just need to somehow get someone to listen to this that we worked really hard on. Hey guys, we're all rock and rollers here. You look like half a butt puppet. 
You know what it's like to be on the bill and to play for 15 minutes and the only people there to see you are the other bands and their girlfriends. Don't talk to me about rock and roll. I'm out there in the clubs and on the streets and I'm living it. I am rock and roll. Also, his girlfriend from Airheads is the same actress who plays his girlfriend in School Ties. And she's the lead from Crybaby. And I'm not going to get into it in this <laughs> But she ends up having a crazy tragic life. But we'll talk about that later. Off of the, that's not for the podcast. Okay. Okay. No, that's, that's a teaser. That's that's a teaser. I'm just that's... saying, if you want to know more, Google Amy Locaine. Because like I'm I'm with John Waters, free Amy Locaine. Okay. Anyways. Okay. I so funny, like it was one of those movies that was on Comedy Central all, all the time. time as a kid. Uh what's also really funny about all three of these movies is they're box office bombs. They're terrible. They do, none of them do well. And even though like, I, I feel like people remember, especially airheads, but like to a lesser extent with honors, like these are not movies that people went to see in the theater. And so he follows that up with like a cameo in the movie now. And then in 1995, he does this impressionistic horror movie called the passion of darkly noon. Um, and he does a TV movie called twilight of the golds in 1997. I don't know if either of you watched Passion of Darkly Noon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. First of all, Ashley Judd, innocent. Please, <laughs> please. <laughs> Ashley Judd. Yeah. Of, all, of all crimes. Everyone's trying to burn the witch. Yes. <laughs> Ashley Judd and um, some actor I've never seen before, nor seen since, uh, discover Brendan Fraser wandering through the woods. It turns out that he has just escaped a cult that murdered his parents. Uh-huh. Um, and... They like Ashley Judd and her mute boyfriend, played by Vigo Mortensen, uh, <laughs> build coffins which they sell to eccentric preachers. And um, essentially, Brennan Fraser like is jealous of Vigo Mortensen, wants to get with uh, Ashley Judd, experiencing some religious trauma, starts seeing his dead parents, paints himself red, covers himself in barbed wire. The last fifteen minutes of that movie yeah. are. Something. That, that oh. entire movie, I was like, "This is sleep no more level." Like, really? I, I the, the lighting of the movie is, is fucking insane. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, "Is this like a biblical fairy tale, like on acid?" Um, but it's also like very animalistic. The way they it's shot just feels very like primal. Um, yeah, actually, that is doing great though i will oh, yeah. say because it's actually good it, i mean and not that i fucking i'm not claiming to understand any of the fucking movie but no. if if from what i did gather ashley judd is supposed to be like this temptation right she's like this woman who's huh? perhaps a little wily um you know if if you she's allegedly a witch um who like whatever uh aren't we all aren't we uh, i mean if you're if you're a woman you're a witch um <laughs> But like he's, I mean, there's a whole fucking scene where he's just like jerking off to her from a distance. I was like, oh my god. Um, True. And, and this is and, this is also a movie where you do see his balls from the back. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do see. His balls from we the can back. confirm there That's... are balls from the back. There are balls from the back. There are balls from the back. Thank you. We have confirmed. Just um, in case you guys think that we don't watch these movies carefully or analytically, yes, yes. <laughs> with thought and care, we get uh, in there. Um, but I, you know, asking Ashley Judge to be like a temptress and sexy, like, is like fucking asking water to be wet. Like, she's so good at just like being right. like, and um, she she has great chemistry with him. He has like the chemistry is like a pop in, but like this movie to me, I was like, what fucking Bushwick like thesis 
short am I watching? Like, like I didn't get it. Wasn't for me. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Darkly Noon. What's that? Me. What's your name? It's a peculiar name, isn't it? My mom and dad chose it. They, they stuck a, a pin in the Bible. Struck the word darkly. You know the passage from Second Corinthians, thirteen twelve. For now we see each other through a glass darkly. It's a primitive way to choose a name, isn't it? It's the way we choose our names. Truly, by the end, I was just—I did not care what happened yeah. to any of them anymore. No. And but again, hot as always, and the chemistry with Judd was crazy. But I truly—he blows my mind about how he has chemistry with like yeah, he, he, I will say this he is a chemistry machine and it's a little shocking because yeah. you don't often think of somebody that's like that polite and that sort of like demurely shy yeah. but the, the thing is is like when he acts he's not he's not those things I, he doesn't like fade into the background where like you he, look at a lot of interviews now he could easily do that I think he's got like that mis- mm-hmm. mystery though like there's you don't know and I think that's why like when we get to it, you know, and he has these roles where he's like bare chested and it's like, oh my God, he's got all that going on under there. But like, he doesn't ever, <laughs> he doesn't ever come off as overtly sexual. I never like feel like, oh, he's being a creep or like sexy, like on purpose. It just kind of is. And so when, and we, and it's probably yeah. because he disarms us all like indoor the jungle. Like he's just like a silly puppy boy. Like, you know, like he, it's never, it never feels like, um, you know, a man using his, sexuality for you know gain or whatever um because even in this where he like looks great mm-hmm. but like he's fucking covered in paint and like there's barbed wire it, it's he's using his sexuality in a very um, specific weird kooky mysterious way that makes it more alluring i i do want to mention by the way too and just because we passed it um one year back uh, and because our last episode was about john waters in 1996 he does do mrs winterborn with ricky lake <laughs> <laughs> I uh speaking of chemistry factory I think you know in the last week's episode we talked about how John Waters is like Ricky Lake is is a star she's like a good actor I think Mrs. Winterborn proves him wrong a little bit <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't think she's uh quite good in the movie but I think she's surrounded by good performances I think both Brennan Fraser and Shirley MacLaine are very good in the movie it's a very silly Billy. It's a dark plot, but it's very silly Billy. Um, I've never seen a train accident glossed over in such a manner. Like, first of all, there's it, the movie is about this young woman who is 18 the whole time. I hope not. Um, who leaves her father on Long Island, goes to the big city, meets some fucking scumbag. He gets her pregnant. She like runs away to Boston, gets on a train and meets Brendan Fraser's first character and his pregnant wife. And then all and they're of a sudden, all, they're nice and lovely, nice and lovely. And then all of a sudden the train just starts spinning. And you, at least for me, I was like, what, what? And then you find out there's this massive train accident and that the lovely couple she just interacted with are dead. Yes. Everybody and- is dead. <laughs> Everybody is dead. And at that point, I had never seen this movie before. So I was like, I was like, I swear to God, if this is his singular scene in this movie, I am not finishing it. <laughs> uh, 
And the fact that he got top billing for this makes no sense to me. But no, surprise, he's his own twin. And yes. <laughs> and well, she wakes up in a hospital and there's confusion. They think that she is the fiance. They think that she is the fiance of the right. woman They're who like, died. There's two dead pregnant women. So we don't, yeah. we can't identify them. Yeah. We yeah, don't we, know what DNA is. Right. <laughs> right. And so she gets swept up, taken to the Shirley McLean, the mother's house, and they're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe everyone died except for you and this baby. Love you so much. Nice. Um, you gave us the baby name Cookie. Yeah. Thank you. And then, <laughs> and then Brendan Fraser's twin comes out, and he's like the biggest wet drip of a man who's just like, <laughs> mother, I hate people. <laughs> I I will say this. I think he's very good at both play because like you said, like he's this drip, he's like all business, and he's very drawl and he doesn't like anything. And then the other Brennan Fraser with the slightly longer hair and the glasses is like hippy dippy and just befriends pregnant women on trains and like right, and right. invites them back to his cabin, which by the way feels more sinister than it ends yes. up being. <laughs> right. Um and uh yeah, I don't know. I I do think the scene in which Brendan Fraser number two kisses Ricky Lake for the first time. Oh, the tango. Yeah, it's so. I rewound it. <laughs> it's so cute and it's so it's well so played. Cute. And when he won't like leave the house, like he keeps like he's like that's not the way out, and like yeah, keeps. I don't live here. <laughs> I don't live here. The, his yeah. line delivery of "I don't live here" is so good. I I don't really know what's going on here, but I I feel good. So um, so good night. Good night. I just remember, I, I don't live here. I live, I live, um, somewhere else. I don't think people think about this being his first box office success, but in 1997, he's in George of the Jungle, which we've brought up many times already. It's based off of the animated series created by Jay Ward. You know, it's very Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's very, you know, the, the concept is, mm-hmm. what if Tarzan was an idiot? And <laughs> yeah, it's cute. I had never seen it before. I'll be honest. I this is one of the ones that I didn't grow up with because, you know, it's ninety seven. So that would make me like close to like th- thirteen, fourteen, and I I was probably like, ugh, baby movie. Yeah, at the, at the I time. can't believe that you had never seen this, Gavin. Ever? Never seen it before. No. How did you know that you were queer yeah. then? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the, I had the shower scene in um in uh the the school one, right the, right the, the, cruel intentions, no but also yeah but also yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> um me and Sam saw this together a rewatch for both of us because obviously okay I was gonna say how long have you and Sam known each other <laughs> no no we ordered Popeyes together and watched George of the Jungle yeah. um and I think I had forgotten how like raucous this movie is and how much yeah. it doesn't care about like rules of film or anything um like literally he gets shot point blank in the face and the narrator's like now now everyone calm down george is fine <laughs> like it, it it's he mails himself via ups or fedex back to um the jungle for some reason has a pair of like nike trainers and runs all the way back to f- he runs back to his fucking friend who is a talking gorilla like it's this this movie is 
fully insane. I think also me and Sam were remembering incorrectly that we spend a lot more time in like the big city. We don't. He's there right. for but a moment. But again, the chemistry with him and Leslie Mann. Oh mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. God. It's insane. Watch out for that tree. Watch out for that tree. Have you uh, ever have you ever seen the interview she gave? I think it was for Watch What Happens Live, where she admitted that like she when she started that movie, Leslie Mann, she had a crush on Brennan Fraser because he was so pretty. But by the end of the movie, she was in love with him, and she at, for years had convinced herself she was like, "I'm in love with this man." Wow, I fully understand. Girl, I'm with but, you. Uh, his his real wife is one of the women that stands by the fence and watches him run with the horse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that scene... Awakening. Like, as a kid, I got it, and as an adult, I fucking get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, it's just him in this, like, beautiful, like, open, big, billowy shirt, and he's, like, running around with these horses, and, like, we are all those women just, like, watching, like... swooning yeah it's really fun it's one of those movies where it's just like who cares yeah well i mean it's it's a cartoon (laughs) exactly so like like, with strength though because he kind of has the face for being cartoonish his eyes are a little bit big he's got an enormous face that he's just really good at like pulling making all these wacky things seeing him kind of swinging on those plastic fucking vines like it looks so shitty and cheap but he sells every single bit every single moment it's so good and I think this is also his first foray into like really physical mm. comedy yeah. and like more action adventure yeah. type yeah. roles um, because Homeboy is ripped as hell. <laughs> I don't know what he was eating. Like what was he yeah. even allowed to consume? Half a can of tuna fish yeah. and a slice of yeah. apple. I'm a guessing. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is the point where I would want to float this theory. We've, talked about this many times on this show before sometimes with classic actors sometimes with more modern actors uh, you, you know is brennan fraser a case where he's a leading man looks with like the mind of a character actor and mm-hmm. i gotta say yes yeah because I, I i think that they cast him a lot as a leading man i don't know if it's his strength i will say same same. And, and like, so like you watch something like School Ties and you're at, like, when I was watching School Ties, and maybe it's because we did that Andrew McCarthy episode not too long ago, I was like, this could be any one of the other guys in the movie. I was like, this yeah, could be absolutely. Chris O'Donnell. Like, this doesn't have to be Brendan Fraser. But like the George of the Jungles of the world, like the, the cartooniness yeah. that he brings to these, you know, that energy. I, I, I think that's like sort of unrepeatable by a lot of like like you couldn't make matt damon would be a terrible george of the jungle (laughs) like absolutely yeah and so that's that's his superpower though like he's so free like he's kind of like very open um and and to be frank like he even though he's very handsome he's very unique looking like he has a distinct face a distinct voice um you know and maybe it's because he really didn't have any connections to Hollywood. I mean, I don't fucking know, but it, it just, when you, when you put him, like you said, I, I thought the same thing about school ties. I was like, literally this could be any young white hot. Yeah. Like, you know, um, yeah. he is a cartoon character. And he's just so willing to go for it. Like yeah. it, it, he's, he just seems like the type of person who's impossible to 
feel embarrassment because the the things that he does are are humiliating to watch at yeah. some point like all of bedazzled we'll get there <laughs> but it, he just there's no there's no ego with him right at all and it's so refreshing to watch someone just totally go for it like that he knows he's fucking hot but like it's it's not he's not gonna let that get in the way of like doing the bit and i think he really always needs a bit to like succeed and like you know land it because when in these dramatic roles like with honors or whatever it's just like oh he's just kind of like being a guy like whatever yeah. you know yeah. but even when we get to something like uh blast from the past he is the lead leading man but like there is a bit to be had there you know he right. is an outsider and it's like there i think he, that's where he really thrives it's funny that you mentioned that he like gives his all to it because it's going to cost him and we're going to get there. But I, I do just want to lay the groundwork for that. Like you mentioned, George of the jungle is really his first big physical thing. He's doing a lot of that stuff for real. He's swinging on a lot of those vines. He's hitting a lot of those trees because he likes to do a lot of the stunts himself and it does catch up with him. But because you mentioned his unique looks, I I do want to get to his next movie which is 1998's gods and monsters he also does a like kind of rom-com called still breathing in 1998 which i watched oh, oh. oh my god yeah okay, that movie is stupid but <laughs> i i feel like i could watch that movie on mute and love every second of it <laughs> he, he does look very good at it i, I will give so good i will give that you that so hot that's a regular but... little san antonioan yeah. He's just he's just a little pup, hot puppeteer in San Antonio yeah. trying to live his life in front but, of the Alamo. But... I should tell you, I have a devious plan. Are you going to try to seduce me in an ultimate kind of way? Oh my! Are you shocked? No. It's hot. Such a hot movie. Just like I said, watch it on mute. You'll love it. But 1998 brings us Gods and Monsters. Gods and Monsters is a biopic of James Whale, the man that directed Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and, and a plethora of other, like, like basically changed film history, created the, like, panning shot, essentially. But, you know, it's a it's about the, the later part of his life after he had suffered from s- some uh, debilitating strokes that had left his mind a little... Uh, cluttered and he forms this friendship with uh who in real life was fictional but a gardener who was played by brennan fraser who is this straight man who like there's like a chemistry between them but also it's not really sexual and it, i i love this movie i think this is the best thing bill condon has ever done i don't know if either of you saw it i saw yeah. it today but it's funny because that you mentioned his weird looks like He's clearly cast because, especially with the hair. Yes. Yeah. He, lo- he looks like Frankenstein's monster. He looks like Boris Karloff in the makeup. It's wild. I mean, like, I, so, you know, we've talked about Frankenstein um, on the pod before because we've talked about um, Boris Karloff. And Gavin, I know you're obsessed with horror and these, like, there, there, there he is. is. There he is, right by me. Um, so you, you probably... I had never seen this movie, don't know like a lot about James Whale and you know, but like fucking Ian McKellen is one of our greatest living actors, like yeah. may he be with us as long as he possibly can. Um, and he's just so delicious in this movie. And I 
and, and I was just thinking, like, oh my god, he, he look, um, Brendan looks exactly like fucking Frankenstein. It's fucking, or the Frankenstein's monster. It's crazy. And then the movie has those flashes of him, like, in the fucking big oversized thing, and the lighting is the black and white. And I was like, God, this is just so stylish, and the point of view is so cool. But it's also like, kill me, daddy, please, maybe. Yeah, a bit. Uh, I mean, James Will's fascinating because he was an out gay man in a time in which it was illegal to be gay. And you you do find that a lot in history. People don't talk about that a ton. Like, I mean, Oscar Wilde wasn't exactly in the closet. But like, but it is an interesting thing to be like, he, he never truly hit it. You know, there's that great scene where the reporter comes who is an actor I really like as well too. And and he like, he's like, there's no, it's not controversial. Like yeah, it's just yeah. the truth. Yeah. He's just so, so good in, in that movie. Uh, and I think, you know, this is like a very weird comparison to make, but I was thinking like, this is giving me a very Meryl opposite of Anne Hathaway and Devil Wars Prada. where like, oh. Anne is holding her own. And I think Brendan's holding his own here as well. But like, it's just the Ian McKellen show. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Well, that, I, I was going to say it's interesting too because he's out of the main cast. He's the one person not nominated because you have him, you have Ian McKellen and Lynn Redgrave right. who both get nominated for Oscars and Brendan Fraser sort of left out. But I do think he, he brings a, a big contribution to the movie because there is that like, I I don't I've never read the movie as like is Brendan Fraser secretly gay? I don't think no, he is at all. I think not. he. Uh, but he's like the he's like a gentle giant. Right. And I would I was I was texting Louis this morning and I was like this movie is homosexual. Yes. Like it's just <laughs> it's the most sensual movie you've ever seen, but it's not. It never crosses over into like the uncomfortable zone. And we, right. even when you think it is going to, it's not about right. sex and fucking. It's about this man who... It's not about re- Ian. It's not about James Whale, like exploiting this guy. Right. It's about him trying, you know, realizing he's losing his mind and he's, his, he knows his best days are behind him. I mean, I, I teared up at the end and where they reveal the sketch and then the back it just says friend, question mark. Like yeah. yes. that fucking room. And because it wasn't like... Of course, like, of, of course, like every, you know, one wants the hot straight guy to give them attention. Like, yes. But like, it doesn't mean that he wanted to like, fuck him. It didn't mean he was trying to like, be a predator. It was literally like, I am old and dying and sad and alone. And like, wouldn't it be great if you can give me company? And then yeah, maybe could you, I don't know, murder me. Um, but like, it was, it, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a, such a weird and, and, and layered movie i fucking love when they go meet princess margaret that fucking whole bit yes. was so yeah, was good funny. would you like to come to a party a reception for princess margaret well, i thought you said you, you weren't gonna go if, if you don't mind driving i'd like to take you as my guest yeah sure i'm game why not very good clayton may i call you clayton clayton Yeah, sure. Clayton's Before we move off of this, too, the last shot in the movie is Brennan Fraser outside. He's just, like, taking the garbage out, and he it begins to rain, and he's walking through the street, and he starts mimicking Frankenstein's monster. That was a suggestion from Brennan Fraser. Uh, that was not Bill Condon. He, like, talked him into that. It's perfect. It's pitch perfect. It's a perfect little bow on the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. 
it's like and it's not like too aggressive it's like because it's no like it's the tiniest wink just the tiniest little like yeah and he's not performing for anyone right it's just because he's so far away like it's yeah perfect it's perfect 99 brings three movies the previously mentioned blast from the past the mummy and that dudley do right where do you guys want to start with that one <laughs> just knock dudley do right right out of the way yeah uh, it's yeah. bad and i never want to see it again it's awful <laughs> it, they said what about george the jungle but nothing about george the jungle that made it work like it's just like it's the worst version of george the jungle you know what's even it's funnier is it's literally a cool hour and they tacked on a 10 minute cartoon at the beginning Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I think I think it could have worked, you know, because it's like it's a it's a character that lots of people are familiar with. And first of all, hire I know he's Canadian in air quotes, but again, hire a Canadian cast. Yeah. A movie about Canada. Like, why are we bringing in SJP and Brendan Fraser? And like also, I know this was 98, but like I don't know. Don't do the, the indigenous. American. Yeah, don't yeah. do the indigenous oh subplot. If you the can't, tribe. yeah, the if you tribe. can't hire a single indigenous actor, don't do it. I think the thing is, like you know, Dudley is similar to George, kind of like a dimwit, but like at least in George the Jungle, he has a lot of heart and a lot of like dignity. This movie like strips all the dignity away from Dudley. Like there is nothing about yeah. this man that like is you know, interesting, or he's just there to fall over and over again and be stupid. That was uh, Brennan Fraser's big complaint, too, is he was such a fan of the source material that he was upset that in the end, uh, Dudley breaks the law in order to, <laughs> yeah. like, oh. get revenge at Snidely Whiplash. And he's like, Dudley do right wouldn't do that. And it's like, that's very sweet, Brendan. But like, yeah, you, you could have turned it down. It's a mess. Also, right. for most of the movie, he's not a Mountie. And that's the thing that people know. Right, about. right. Well, I think the theme of his career is, Brendan, you could have turned it down. You could have turned it down. He <laughs> admits that. And, and we'll get to that, too. Um, Blast from the Past uh, is a romantic comedy where he stars opposite Alicia Silverstone. Him and his parents have been in a bomb shelter since the 1960s because they thought that their house was nuked, even though it was just a plane falling on top of it. Yes. His parents are Christopher Walken and... Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. Uh, It's a cute movie. My big complaint about it is there could be more jokes. Where, like, where are the jokes? (laughs) Uh, There could be more jokes. I I watched it with Derek and um, Alicia Silverstone has a gay best friend um, who people might recognize from Will and Grace. Um, I, I believe he plays... Kids in the Hall. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. Yeah, Yeah, people might recognize him from Will and Grace. How dare you? Okay, homosexuals out there, let me hear you say some noise. Um, But Derek was like, I want to see Will and Grace starring Alicia Silverstone and her gay best friend. Um, (laughs) I like this movie a lot. If he had come up to a woman and said, like, oh yeah, I've been living in a bunker and I want to bring you back down, like, rightly so she would be fucking freaked out and like call the cops, you know, (laughs) unlike in still breathing where it's like, LOL Um, here. Like she's very like, what the, and, and, but not only like she calls like child protective services, you know, like she's actually concerned for him. I think the movie like works in a lot of ways. I I think Sissy Spacek is fucking killer in this with Christopher Walken. Like they are giving, um, and the way she's like getting drunk on cooking cherry. I know the in the bunker i mean 
drives me nuts. She's hysterical in this. When there when there are jokes, they're very funny. Like I love when you know, he convinces Alicia Silverstone to make him a champagne cocktail. And she's like, I thought only prostitutes drink, drink Yeah, only hookers drink those. And he's like, well, all I know is my mom sure loves yeah. him. I love yeah. the moment when like he's going back into the bunker and he's like, bye, Todd. Thanks for always being being happy. And he's like, he's like, what? Yeah. And she's like, gay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I love I my favorite scene is the club scene where like he has like this three-way dancing zoot suit riot moment and it's it's so aggressively like late 90s like that was the vibe alicia silverstone i think is also yeah we loved swing dancing in we the really late did. 90s oh we did i mean i i can swing dance okay. i still know <laughs> it's still <laughs> i just like i and then like alicia silverstone is doing like just like bits 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 of like no i don't love him what are you talking about i don't care like i i like Bash and pass Listen, I know you like me, okay? I can tell, but you know what? A lot of guys like me. Not me exactly. It's more like my legs or my butt or my hair or some combination of the above. I think it's the eyes. The eyes. Great, an eye man. Anyhow, it never works out, okay? Not that you even need to know that. You look like crap. What are you even doing? I'm watching television in color. In color? Mm-hmm. Cross my heart. Hope to die. Yeah. See ya. I, I grew up on Blast from the Past, so it definitely has a special place in my heart. And it's just, he's such, I mean, fish out of water is yeah. his bread yes. and butter. It is what he is perfect at. It's just like hot weirdo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just think this movie has a lot of heart. And yeah. And then obviously the mummy. The mummy, the mummy. is like. A mummy. It, it's literally a movie that's printing money. Um, he, for those who don't know, he plays Rick O'Connell, who is essentially like an Indiana Jones type rapscallion who gets drawn into this um, brother and sister's plot to to seek out the city of the dead in Egypt at the same time uh, as another another American treasure. Fucks. Yeah, some American fucks are trying to get that treasure, and they all accidentally awaken a mummy whose one goal is to get his lady back so they can do it for eternity. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> that's the real loose translation, but that's exactly uh, Rachel we Vice. About, yeah, we talked about this on our Rachel Vice episode, which is one of our most popular episodes. It um, is our most popular episode to date. And it stars Rachel Vice's eyebrows, or more famously, yeah. does it the lack thereof—they yeah. are teeny tiny. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this—if you didn't know Brendan Fraser before, you did after the Mummy, because right. my God, this is like the perfect like action romance comedy. Like it's it's all quadrants have been met. Right. My biggest criticism of the mummy is the fact that the subtitle font is basically papyrus. Yes, and everything else. You, <laughs> you know what's really funny is I was gonna say my least favorite thing about the mummy is the 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 stylization of the way the mummy is spelled in the opening credits with like the yeah. big M in the middle. Yeah. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we got a lot of we got a lot of edits for posts. Um, okay. yeah. I think uh I think him and Rachel Vice have such hot chemistry she's oh my god she's so good she she's playing you know the brains of the situation she's a librarian and she can speak the dead languages and she starts off kind of nerdy you know she has the glasses and everything and then she loosens up by getting drunk and yeah yeah yeah, and 
I think he just plays those scenes with such like cool detachment, uh, but also like uh, it is sort of like you both were saying earlier about it, there's a mysterious quality to him, and and that comes in this. But I also love the fact that like his Rick O'Connell, he's not brilliant. You know, he's right. not the like he's the guy who's like willing to throw himself at the problem physically without thinking it through. And then when he does have a good thought, like the second time he scares the mummy away with a cat. Right, right. It's right. like he's so fucking proud of himself. <laughs> um I I think I'm gonna like this is a time I have something very controversial to say. I'm so so sorry in advance. Um fl- oh my God, I can't please wait. do not um be can't wait to cancel Louie. Yeah. What I was thinking, I was like you know, th- these type of blockbusters are what Hollywood like lives for. Like they are always looking for this level of blockbuster. This is the type of shit where they're like, let's make three more of these. Let's, you know, and these are the types of roles that like really fucking launch people into the stratosphere. And I thought, who is that today? And unfortunately, I think it's Chris Pratt. And I think I see yeah. a lot of Chris Pratt, at least his career right. in Brenner Fraser, Fraser, because they both are for better or worse. And like, to be clear, like Chris Pratt, like fuck off. But like they both are have that affable every man, but they're also clearly super attractive. And that's that's why people like Chris Pratt, because he can make you laugh, but you like he's sexy and but he's not taking himself too seriously. And I was thinking, like, my God, like the fucking Guardians of the Galaxy guy is Rick O'Connell. Like, you know, they are all this the same yeah. guy who are I, I didn't see any of the new fucking Jurassic Park movies, so like whatever. But like I imagine it's the same shit. Like it's just Chris yeah. Pratt being hot and kind of silly and like the guy who's going to save the day because, and, and it's a specific mold of Hollywood leading man. I mean, he, fucking Tom Cruise has been doing it for his entire career. This is a long line of this type of performer. And, you know, it's wild to think that like he got there, like he didn't start off here. Right. He finally just got to the mummy and, and really hit it. And then we're going to kind of see the slow sloping downward of his career and, the the, yeah. the trying to like recapture that trying to like you know i think they're writing a lot of checks because he did do this movie and did deliver this um but like it, it never yeah. really kind of hit that level again so i felt very upset at myself that i was like ah yes chris pratt the brendan fraser of our generation i think you're right except for that yeah i hate chris pratt a lot more yes I mean, <laughs> but uh, i mean i don't i don't disagree but, but i was like oh this is the lane that he's driving in well, it's like, who is Hollywood setting up to be that person? Who's getting right. all these roles right. that are, you know, hot and goofy? And it is Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt unfortunately. So, I mean, The Mummy's a huge success. You know, it makes uh, over $100 million on an $80 million budget. So, uh, of course, they're like, it's bankable. We'll make a sequel. They do a sequel two years later. Um, also, during that time, you know, Fox has the hit of Titanic on his hands, so Fox is just writing checks. And so after he does that movie, he does Monkey really? Bone, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is uh, 2001, and Bedazzled uh, in 2000. Fox is just p- cashing out. There, you know, they, he yeah. he has said himself they didn't really care what they're making, and so like these high concepts, you know, Bedazzled's a remake of a movie from the 60s starring Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and it's him and Elizabeth Hurley Elizabeth Hurley who's the devil and he like wants to bang his co-worker so he sells his soul for seven wishes and because she's the devil they're like all bad wishes yes what we the public put 
Brendan through <laughs> in this movie. Like this movie, for, I mean, this movie's not good, but it, he he is working his ass off yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And he, we make him be everything. And everything. Just, I, could, I could almost feel his ex- exhaustion. A, a, a little casual race makeup. Were yes. you thinking <laughs> like um yeah the the like weird incredibly like seven foot tall basketball player with a tiny penis that's yes. like clearly meant to be like a white dennis rodman which is a weird choice i will say i love the redheaded guy the like sensitive yeah, guy one is too sensitive the but for like some like the first bit where he's a Colombian drug lord goes on for far too it's long so long it's clearly they're like <laughs> we're gonna spend money on like the helicopter we're gonna spend money like I think there are like some funny bits. I think it's funny that everyone in his life plays all the other characters as well. Yes. Like, that's a funny bit yeah. to me. Um, yeah, I I shout out to Toby Huss, who are I think it's Huss or Hoos, H-U-S-S. Uh great actor. He's in three Brendan Fraser films, by the way, as well. So it's not like just this film, but he's the one who like he's a sports announcer. He's his boyfriend right. when he when he's punished by being gay, by For the way. Gay, yeah, I do yeah. like that the movie's like being gay, punishment. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> It was the, 2000, baby. Little, little Fire Island shout out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will say think... he's very hot when he's gay. Like, it, when yes. he, like, I was like, okay, he's very hot in this world. Just be gay, babe. Just do it. And and I'll give him this, you know, and, and also in Twilight of the Gold, every time that he's cast as a gay person, I've never seen him, like, mince. I've right. never seen him, like, shoot for the stars of, like, he's never, like, just jacked. Yeah, he's he just has to like tag it up. It's just he's just like yeah, yeah. gays are normal humans. Well, I also love the message. It's like, hey ladies, did you meet a man who dresses well, is smart, and respects you? Sorry, he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love that the the question that trips him up that you know to prove that he's gay is who was in the original cast of the pajama game. I know. Very good. I know. Um, I, see, I, see, there's I, jokes I also, that are funny. Uh, I also but, do uh, like the whole uh, thing, like where the, where they're like, "We're gonna prove that you're gay," and it's just like him kissing her, and he's like, "Nope, yep, you're right, gay." Yep, he's like, like hey, "I'm gay." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss me. Oh, this is just sad. You, you shut up, bitch. Please, Allison, let me kiss you. Remember the champagne, the court bustles. All right, Elliot, kiss me. I'm okay. Um, well, thanks for dropping by. Good night. Yeah. That that movie's not good. I I appreciate it for I appreciate two things in it specifically, which is I do like the fact that he gets to do so many different things, and like you said, it's kind of putting him through hell. But like, I I you know because certain some of it I was like, does he have the range? Maybe not. Right. But, but I also think Elizabeth Hurley's costumes are all really great. Um, very early two thousands. Uh, but the director has said that the schoolgirl uniform came from her own closet, which I refuse to believe because it's red like all of her other costumes. Right. There's no. And I think that was marketing. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, yeah, they were selling it off of Elizabeth Hurley. They're like, could you believe how hot she is? And she's a devil. Uh oh, women are bad. <laughs> that movie is like, it's like Elizabeth Hurley like hosting the Grammys. It's just, <laughs> she comes in every few minutes with a new outfit on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Was the least. <laughs> Very good. Monkey Bone is about an artist who's 
gets falls into a coma after a car accident and his creation monkey bone turns out to be like a basically like a demon from another realm um that's filled with nightmares and steals his body and then he you know Whoopi Goldberg comes as death and gives him Chris Kattan's body so he can get his body back before earth is cast into a realm of nightmares it's very high concept it's Henry Selleck the guy that did Nightmare Before Christmas and I think Honestly, the worst bit about Monkey Bone is Monkey Bone itself. Like, <laughs> because like other like I like a lot of the concepts. I like a lot of the way like the the Nightmare Town looks. Like, there's lots of things in it, but it it's a movie that's constantly in its own way. My issue with Monkey Bone is it's PG thirteen, so it's like either make it like either scale it down and make it PG, and so more young kids can enjoy it or scale it all the way up and go for that R rating because it's just in this murky middle ground where it's like squarely for seventh grade boys. (laughs) So I just like pick, pick a lane. It it was too murky for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to monkey bone, so I have nothing to say. Um, Wow. You really missed out. Um, (laughs) Like I was like, Um, it's either this or gods and monsters. And I said, I'm going to go away from the monkey animation movie. (laughs) Um, the the next film after that is The Mummy Returns in 2001, um, Two Mummies, Two, two Returns. Yes. Um, and <laughs> I I mean, I don't know how much you guys have to say about that. It's it's it's, it's you the know, same movie. Just more. Yeah. It's the, the same movie, just more. It's really the same movie, but I I kind of like it better. <gasps> I, no. I know. <laughs> is this, this is where The Rock comes in, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is where The Rock comes in. But Shout like, out to Scorpion King getting all that love know, after Nope I know, this past weekend. Nope bump. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know Louis' visceral hatred for child mm-hmm. actors, uh, but like, I think this kid is good, <laughs> gotta say. Well, I I will say the thing about you being wrong is that you're wrong <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> I didn't revisit um, uh, Mommy 2. I didn't either. I was so. like, I know what it is. It is It is what it is. As you mentioned, like this is sort of now the downslope. I mean, he is still doing high-profile things. In 2002, he does The Quiet American, which is a, you know, a drama based off a Graham Greene book, co-starring Michael Caine. I didn't get a chance to revisit this, but I remember really liking this movie when I saw it. And I remember him being fine, but not leaving me with a huge impression. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is Michael Caine's movie. Yeah. It sure. is, I mean, but also and... I, I don't know that I liked it. I mean, I, I get the, the politics of this movie. And I mean, I read that they had to like delay it because of after nine 11, it was too critical of the government and stuff like that. But like it also, I, this is an American that's not going to be quiet about this. Okay, it's just very much like, and now they did this bad thing about. It's it's also a movie about Vietnam and like, but it's literally the only person that we talk to who's like Vietnamese is like that poor woman who's like being sold off to like these two guys. Like, I I also don't like the idea that like he's supposed to be this secret CIA agent, but he's like, oh wait, but I did see this woman and I want to like fuck her brains out and marry her, and I'm like. Why is that plot even here? What is going on? Um, but apparently yeah. it was well-received by critics. And Michael Caine is Michael Caining about. And he's always good. So there's that. I mean, that plot about the girlfriend is just a really played out metaphor for Vietnam. Right. You know, right. she's Vietnam. And she is Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And being like tossed around and exploited and no one being like, hey, girl, what do you want? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's a beautiful movie. Beautiful. It, 
it's funny because he he's like going back and forth between these serious contemplative roles like the quiet american and then the next year you know 2003 he does looney tunes back in action which is you know it was joe dante trying to recapture looney tunes feel in a post space jam world and I just don't think that's what kids wanted. And yeah, it's a a bit of a mess. What's unfortunate is like, even in that movie decides to poke fun at Brendan with like the mummy jokes. And, but this is like maybe one of the few movies where it does feel like there is a little bit ego or it does feel like he's holding back and not as open. He's not going for the slapstick that we know he can do. It's not as physical. I, and it's, I mean, obviously like you're fucking up against like, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, like, you know, you you can't win. But, like, it's weird. He, in a lot of his movies, I'm like, oh, he's such a cartoon character. And in the movie where there's a bunch of cartoon characters, he becomes just, like, stiff aboard. Yeah. Well, I wonder if this is when the pain is starting, yeah. you know? Because he is putting himself in these positions where he could really go for it, like he always was, but he just can't get there. And I'm like, this is probably a man whose body is falling right. apart. Um, I think it's funny. He he voices the Tasmanian devil, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So there's a really great GQ article that came out, I want to say, in 2018. Um, it was a, a, initially called uh, Whatever Happened to This Guy. It was then retitled to Whatever Happened to Brendan Fraser. And, you know, he talks about this movie and one of the things that drew him to it was the fact that he got to play his stunt double, but he also got to play himself. And there's a scene towards the end of the movie where he gets to punch himself in the face. And Mm -hmm. he thought of that as like ego death. So it's interesting that you looked at this movie, Louis, and you're like, Oh, he's holding back. I wonder if that's part of it too, because this is around the era that depression starts and that pain starts too, because also what was revealed in that GQ article is that his body was starting to fall apart from what he was putting through it. And it really doesn't come to a head until he makes the third Mummy movie, which is still a few years off. But he said he was doing things like hiding like ice packs underneath his costumes, doing like knee pads. He ends up having to have some vertebrae fused from back injuries. He ends up having to have a partial knee replacement. He ends up having to have vocal cord surgery um, to repair his vocal cords from all the abuse that he's putting his own body through. And so, yeah, like I it's funny that like you look at something as throwaway as Looney Tunes back in action, which is, I think, a decently fun movie. But you can kind of see where it's been butchered and, and kind of see where it doesn't work yeah. and everything. But and think about like oh it was both really mentally and physically taxing for this this man that was the the handsome lead i think i mean the best part of the movie are the looney tunes like i think all the tunes are funny they're fun like the bits are good you live with daddy yeah so just you know kind of temporarily oh i've hit rock bottom i'm hanging out with a security guard who lives with his father It's like the humans around it are kind of like, it it feels like even though they're trying to do this meta thing about Warner Brothers and making a movie or whatever, it definitely feels like the puppeteer strings are everywhere. Um, But yeah, you're totally right because after this, what he has the small bit in Crash, which is, you know, very small. Which wins the Academy Award, but he doesn't win the Academy Award. So then like (laughs) after that, it's it's we are now on an increasingly uh, vertical slope downward and it probably had to do with yeah. his 
well, he reveals a lot of things later, but you know, he's dealing with this depression, his body. I think this is about the time where his marriage is falling apart. And, and I think also he was having these bombs. A lot, a lot of these movies were bombing. And so the further we got away from the mummy, um, the less um, executives were like, oh, that's fine. Probably just throwing himself into work when yeah. all of this is happening around him. So he's just like, it's just stinker after stinker because he, you know, uh, excuse me while I act as Brendan Fraser's like therapist from 20 years <laughs> ago, but this feels, you know, as someone who goes to therapy herself, I feel like I can judge others in that way. Um, so it really does feel like the world is crashing around him and he's like, I'm just going to go do what I know how to do, which is like run into right, walls right. and be goofy and it fucking hurts a lot more than it yeah. used to. Post that, like you said, you know, he, he starts doing a lot of like TV bits, you know, he shows up on Scrubs, on Simpsons, on King of the Hill. In March of 2006, he's inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame, um, even though to date he still does not have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, oh, he does. I know that's uh, quite shocking. Um, and he slides into a, a lot of these independent roles. You mentioned Crash. Um, he does this film called Journey to the End of the Night. Uh, the last time, which is a film with Michael Keaton, which I believe was my one star review on the Michael Keaton episode. So I just did not uh, revisit it for this. I just remember hating it. Um, my favorite part of that movie is like everyone's ruining each other's lives, and then at the end, everyone is like happy after they all, like they all kind of got what they wanted and so it's like you walk away being like oh so evil does hmm. prevail okay great <laughs> my kind of party honestly yeah. <laughs> he does the air i breathe and then in 2008 it's his big i i want to say that like this is his last year of blockbusters 2008 you get journey to the center of the earth in which he was also the executive producer the Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, which is the final Mummy film of the three, and Inkheart. Um, Inkheart, uh, I, I just briefly want to start with, uh, I had not seen it. I read the book. It was weirdly like one of the last books my dad gave me before he passed away. So I didn't read it for a very long time. And then I did. Um, and it was fine. And then I watched the movie and I was like, oh, this is not really the book. <laughs> And mm -hmm. also what's funny is the author, it, the author's German, and she told him she wrote this role for Whoa. him and it's sort of the the tail end of these three he like told the studio he didn't want to do uh, it you can fucking um yeah. not not yeah, not clear. because content or anything but i think he was just exhausted yeah, yeah. i think um, it's bad it, it makes me mad remembering yeah. it i mean like i'm sure as a book it works really well but like as a movie it's just like the power of storytelling and coming to life here's here's the thing and here's where i'll disagree with you even though i am agreeing with you that the movie doesn't work it should work it should be yeah. this big lavish thing the idea that you can read anything into existence is so much fun and and so cool and you know there's plenty of stuff that they do that's like fully public domain they're like a winged monkey right, and like right. a, a unicorn like that's fine but like it's so boring there's like three so sets boring. in the entire yeah. movie they're like here's a castle here's a library like you know for as much fun as having helen mirren show up in a turban mm -hmm. like i would just i didn't think anybody was that into the movie either even andy circus who oh, like i think i i will say paul bettany is very hot and that's what i will say yes yeah yeah 
the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor i mean the less said the better we talked about it in our michelle yo episode it's really bad their son is an adult now it's not even rachel vice anymore it's maria bello and yeah yeah. um i saw journey to Seven earth for the first time and i was like this is for the kids it's for the kids yeah and it's It's for children like just and it's also like i think it's peak 3d nonsense right like everything is like flying at your face whatever it's it's so much cg that i was just like oh boy (laughs) they were they were on a a green screen for a couple weeks whoever wants at the bottom well if one Virgo was right these dolls could go for hundreds of thousands of miles third was not right whoever finished what's at the bottom most likely theory is that it probably just ends it's really downhill after you know he does furry vengeance which i did not watch i'm sorry again for the kids it's a lot of fart jokes also in 2010, he gets to do a movie with one of his screen heroes. Harrison Ford, he does Extraordinary Measures. I remember when this movie came out because that's when I was working in the news and I remember having to work from a really terrible EPK of it. And it's just the line of Harrison Ford being like, I already work seven days a week. <laughs> um, it's it's a medical drama. It's really like, I feel bad because these movies that are made like this have their heart in such the right place but honestly if people would just fucking go see a documentary that's not yeah. about true right, crime right. you would be saved this schmaltz because the, where this movie fails is that it's like so heavy-handed and so like Harrison Ford's character is so unpleasant that he can't possibly have been a real person even though he's based off a real person yeah. and and on the reverse of that Brennan Frazier's character is so angelic and so like altruistic and then you find out that the guy that he's based off in real life is a fucking Republican Hate so it. like Hate it. <laughs> yeah like I don't, I don't the, know this is but the like, era where it feels like the career is like in scramble mode it is in full like, yeah. panic yeah. like extraordinary measures furry vengeance like okay then yeah let's do like it's super bullshit indie like wannabe Wes Anderson movies like it's it's darkness for a while oh, oh so you saw Hair I Brain. did see it Hair I Brain. Saw Hair Brain. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the movie I was thinking I was like this movie thing yeah Hairbrained which could have just been called not Rushmore but, yeah you know it, Hairbrain has a solid 40 minutes unfortunately I checked the time uh, at that point and was like oh we're halfway through yeah. I was like fuck I, I was like, this movie thinks it's saying something, but it's really not. I do want to say I did like the scene, and this is uh, objectifying him, whatever, I don't care. The scene where he's, like, talking to his belly button or whatever, what he's laying on. I was like, I'm into this. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, like, playing golf on his stomach. Yes, that's what it was. That's what it was. I was like, (laughs) I could deal with the shirtland Brendan Fraser. (laughs) Also so gross watching, like, college-age adults and like older yeah. people like quasi sexualize a 13 year old. It's like, yeah. this. this is disgusting, please. I'm Leo Surly, late bloomer. I'm Eli Pettifog, child prodigy. Eli, it's your first day of college. You're going to have plenty of time to sit alone and hate yourself. Are you Eli Pettifog, the 13 year old freshman? I want to have your really, really smart baby. What makes you think that nine months in your womb will make the baby really? really stupid but that's 2013 where he also does you know breakout which was like the worst cw movie i've ever seen he does give me shelter which is anti-abortion propaganda yeah. um shocking yeah. that movie like i i got so i mean 
Vanessa Hudgens, I kind of understand. I feel like you could maybe... She was early in her career. You could maybe trick her into doing this. But everybody else in that movie, I was like, no excuse. At the end of the movie, I was crying. And then I was mad at myself. Because mm. I was like, <laughs> you are falling victim to exactly what they want you yeah. to fall victim. I mean, and that's a thing. I mean, but that's, you know, the fact that they were able to cast Anne Dowd and cast Rosario Dawson fucking showed up for this movie. And it, oh, she and it, gave it, her all. And it annoyed the shit out of me because I was like, yeah. no. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, it's weird. It says uh, on this Wikipedia, it's an independent Christian drama film, but it was yeah. released by, you know, Roadside Attraction. So, like, they were trying to trick everyone to thinking, like, oh, this is just like an indie film. But no, it's fucking propaganda. Yeah. Um, it's 2014. He voice he does a voice in the nut job, and then there's a huge break in his career, and he pops up on TV a little bit. But for the most part, he you know he's not doing movies. He did join the cast of The Affair in season three, the Showtime show, and it's funny because that's when people suddenly realize that he had not been acting for like right. three or four years. Famously, he goes on to build series on AOL slash Verizon, and he does a really awkward interview where he, like, talks in, like, a hushed whisper, and he seems really sad and maudlin, and it goes viral basically as, like, a way to make fun of Brennan Fraser. Like, people are like, oh, he's so sad, I and think so, also, you know, maybe he has an yeah. alcohol. Alcohol yeah, and I think people also were just like, because they hadn't seen him in a while. And when you think of Brendan, you think of a specific look. Um, and right. he just didn't look the way he looks in our memories anymore. You know, he's a bigger guy now. But like, because his compounding health issues, um, it, he just, it was jarring because for a moment, he was everywhere. He was making three movies a summer. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely went viral. I think like, millennials were like whoa what happened and there was a yeah. moment the the good thing about this though is like there's the immediate swing to the other side where people are like fuck off he's amazing so nice um you know i've relented a bit in in recent years i i have three sons and um, um i needed to ensure their comfort and safety and uh so and, and their mother also though lovely and talented my my former wife Afton um uh it was around that time that I I think I just asked myself why am I running so far, so far so fast all at once and um I won't lie it was part and parcel from having done a lot of stunt work in movies like The Mummy and you know, you name them. I, I, I think I was just so game and ready to go, no matter what, that um, they figured, well, heck, he's here, he's made up, he's paid for, we might as well have him jump off the cliff or do whatever you can do. Light him on fire, too. <laughs> and I'd just be like, yep, sure, I'll do another one, no problem. <laughs> oh, didn't hurt that much. Ugh. So that GQ article comes out a year later, and he explains in it, he's like, literally three days before that interview, my mom died of cancer mm -hmm. and so we were putting my mom in the ground and suddenly i was in front of a live studio audience advertising a show i'm barely on yeah mm -hmm. and yeah i could see that fucking somebody up yeah but you know th no one got that context and and so i don't know i'm not defending the people who thought that it's really shitty to behave that way but like 
I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. He should. I. I almost wish he had said no. <laughs> the, the, said, yeah. It's like yeah. He absolutely Showtime or whoever could have been like, you know what, babe? We don't need to do fucking yeah. AOL. Take some time off. I mean, it's the classic Britney Spears trajectory. Right, we, right. <laughs> we tear them down to build them back up yeah, again. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and so, like, after that, he basically starts doing TV. He does Trust for FX. He starts doing The Voice of Robot Man and Doom Patrol, which is a spinoff of Titans. So he, he started there for one episode and then spun off. But he doesn't provide the, the physical robot man that is another actor um who surprisingly went to the same college as him just 24 years apart and (laughs) yeah so he's doing those things and then last year or in 2019 uh he has a couple movies like trickle out there's the poison rose which i made the mistake of watching (laughs) it's not really until 2021's no sudden move where he comes back in a supporting role in a steven soderbergh film and people really take notice. They're like, oh, like he's like doing movies again. Right. And it's funny uh-huh. when I told Dan, my boyfriend, we were doing Brennan Fraser, he like looked at his career and he was like, he's never really worked with any interesting directors. And I was like, yeah, but he's doing that now. Yeah. And it's almost like in a way, and like, I don't want to compare him to Mickey Rourke, but in a, in a similar way, it was almost like his career had to, go to shambles in order for him to come back for us to really appreciate him and also i think because as you mentioned louis you opened the door for this so we might as well he doesn't look the way he used to now he is able to truly be the character actor because he's not being cast as like the oiled up george of the jungle abs machine it's interesting you know that idea like he hasn't worked with like quote interesting directors like i don't think I think it's probably difficult. He's the era that he worked in, you know, like in the nineties, like it, I think he was taking swings. Like what the fuck is darkly noon? If not like, you know, this weird project thing, but I think just the movies that were being made the movies that were making money. um, And again, like I can't believe that like he kept swinging for these dramatic roles. Like even like, you know, gods and monsters, which is great. And, I, it seems like this kind of like aberration because everything else that has been such a hit and success was kind of like these comedy slapstick things, um, which is probably why he kept kind of going back like to very furry vengeance and type shit. Like you can see in the later, the, like the later years of his career, like he's trying to go back to the well of, you know, even Journey to Sunder Earth is kind of like action, romance, comedy, like trying to recapture yeah. all that stuff. So it is super interesting to see where he is now. And because again, he's still so young. He's like in his fifties and he can finally move away from like, you know, maybe there is no magic to recapture. Maybe there's like this whole other side of him that we haven't seen yet. Um, And I think the Renaissance is upon us. We're going to get, this is just the beginning. Um, And it's exciting. It's exciting to like see what he can do. That's not, you know, George of the Jungle style comedy. Right. But it is like there there's a dark side of that because the poison yes, rose oh or whatever that movie was I watched where he's basically like oh my god, he was basically like um 
playing Orson Welles in Touch of Evil, but with the voice of um, Truman Capote. Oh. Like, I was like, what is he doing? Like, what are these choices? He's making so- choices. Why couldn't you just get lost? You were warned so many times. Just let me guess. He was billing patients' families after they was dead. They didn't make you enough money. So you started a new business with Lorenzo. Is that right? Mm, that's about the slow and skinny of it. Before we move into our picks, I do want to bring up just a bit of his personal life. We mentioned his wife, Afton Smith. He met her at a barbecue in 1993, uh, July fourth barbecue that was hosted by Winona Ryder casual and they married in 98 on September 27th they have had three sons together Finn Arthur Fraser who was born in 2002 so he's 20 now Holden Fletcher Fraser in 2004 and Leland Francis Fraser they decided to divorce in 2007 it was it sounds a little messy you know who knows what really happened there but he was ordered to pay uh $50,000 of alimony uh for 10 years or until she remarried um in addition to $25,000 monthly for child support which was supposed to end in January 2019 um in 2013 he petitioned to like get that reduced because you know that's $900,000 yeah and, annually and, then, and this was about the time when like the movies were not hitting right it- he's since moved to Bedford New York which is you know, not too far above the city. He lives on a ranch. He has horses. He's mentioned his eldest son is on the autism spectrum. Um, he does speak French, which is clearly a Canadian thing. Um, <laughs> he is also an accomplished amateur archer. Uh, okay, Gina Davis. Okay. Yeah, because in the GQ article, when he gets a little too overwhelmed, he tells the journalist that he needs to go outside and like shoot some arrows. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> early. We we Powerful. talked we talked about the physical demands um that he's placed on his body. His back was also injured after he attempted to clear a fallen tree during Hurricane Sandy. Um that required more surgery and rehabilitation. And I think you can kind of see it when you look at him in interviews. He's a little stiff now, and that's yeah. really unfortunate. I mean, once once they have to fuse vertebrae, it's it's really not great. Um so, like, I feel bad for him about that. Um, also, in 2018, he did have his own Me Too moment. He accused Philip Burke in the summer of 2003 of groping him um, at a luncheon for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. At the time, Philip Burke was the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. He, like, graphically describes it in the GQ article because I think a lot of people have um, downplayed it as, uh, you know, like, his butt was pinched right um but as he describes it and i do want to read it because i i think like it's i think it's a little unfair people act like he's like overblowing it um you know he says his left hand reaches around grabs my ass cheek and one of his fingers touches me in the taint and he starts moving it around uh, Fraser says that in the moment he was overcome with panic and fear when he was able to, he removed Burke's hand and he said, he felt ill. I felt like a little kid. I felt like there was a ball in my throat. I thought I was going to cry. He rushed out of the room outside past a police officer. He couldn't quite bring himself to confess to. And then home where he told his then wife Afton what had happened. I felt like somebody had thrown invisible pain on me. He says Burke has denied this. The Hollywood foreign press has also denied that they've had any, 
responsibility and the fact that his career waned after that. Um, but he, you know, hasn't really been invited to the Golden Globe since. And right. yeah, fuck the Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah, they suck. yeah. Uh, um, I, a lot of people have have come out and said, "Of course, this happened to you," because we've heard of other stories of this guy, yeah, being an absolute creep with with men. So I'm I I good for him for just laying out all the details, being like, "You want to hear about abuse?" I'll. I'll tell you. And the crazy thing is, is this man has like, quote unquote, apologized for anything that he might have done to upset Brennan Fraser. But he's also said, all I did was pinch his butt. It's like, buddy, that's right. still no. Right. Like, right. Right. Who the fuck are you be touching anybody that way? Like, right. I absolutely. I cannot believe like. It, and, and, you know, like, it, it's just tough. And we're in this moment where it's like you, you definitely need to like listen to victims you need to believe victims and you need to understand them brendan fraser is a tall you know wide football player of a guy and i think coming forward it's one of those things that says like this can happen to anyone right yeah yeah for sure there's a time in anyone's career when the phone stops ringing Mm -hmm. and i don't think that the hfpa really wield that much power this was not an executive um this was a former president of that organization which is essentially journalists Mm. um i'm hopeful that we can make even more progress than we have done already which is a good start and so far as i'm speaking up when um when if and when this happens to people i'm more happy and glad that um brendan is getting this second wind to his career and it seems to be like there's a lot more ahead of for him so you know he spoke his truth and i think there's so much good it's also telling like for someone whose movies were like misfiring and maybe his choices haven't always been great like he has such um an immense well of goodwill from like people who enjoyed his movies and stuff that people are excited to have him back and have this um, or encourage and and root for him in in these next couple of years. So that's, that's a good thing. Absolutely. And on that positive note, I think we should move into our picks, but we're going to do the negative first. And we're going to start with our one star reviews and talk about the Brennan Fraser films that we didn't perhaps love. All right, Sam, as our girly guest, you get the pleasure of telling us what yours is first. So this was for, you know, for weeks because I had so so (laughs) long to watch all of these. So for a long time, I was like, damn, this is hard because he's in so many bad movies, but he is good in them. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I agree. But then I... I found some exceptions to the rule and my one star is 2007's the air I breathe. Mm. This, this movie is like, it's like, we're dark, we're gritty. Like you don't get us. We're different. And it just has this attitude throughout the whole movie where it's like, you're not even ready for what we're about to tell you. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole movie is based on a Chinese proverb that like, breaks life down into four emotions happiness pleasure sorrow and love and it's an anthology i mean brendan loves an anthology film too he loves to be in (laughs) like big ensembles that people are weaving in oh yeah i mean mean, there was one we didn't even 20 bucks i watched yeah and so 
it's it's a film like that where you know everyone's lives weave together in weird ways that you don't see coming Brendan Fraser is like a, a what would you call him a a hitman a mobster right. for this movie like his job is to like beat people up but surprise he's also clairvoyant Uh-oh. <laughs> like, and so the 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 four like quote unquote main characters don't have names they they just represent happiness sorrow pleasure and love and somehow some way his character is pleasure even though right remarkably little pleasure going on <laughs> in this in this man's life he's like very haunted by the memory of his um brother growing up because the the two of them got in a fight and he and his brother ended up dying in this fight. And so he's, you know, he needs to be in therapy as we all do. <laughs> and somehow, somehow, some way, Sarah Michelle Geller is a pop star. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember this very well. Like, weaves into his life because her manager owes this bookie money. And, and he can't see her future, though, because it's mysterious and crazy. Right, because it's mysterious. As all pop stars are, truly. Right, right. He, like, loses his powers and all of a sudden can't see what's going to happen in the future anymore. That doesn't sound very pleasurable. No, (laughs) no, there's truly no pleasure. And he's just so, like, one note in this movie. And I I know, I I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of his mind. But uh, my interpretation is he's just trying to play this very hurt person who has a very dark life. But there's no joy to him at all. I'm gonna cut your break. I'm coming back next week, alright? I need you to get that money. I wanna make sure Fingers gets it. Because if he doesn't, he's gonna get one of these. Don't want that. Okay? I'll see you next week. Okay. Also, I fight I was like, I was like, I need a Brendan Fraser sex scene so bad. And I finally get one, and it's the most tame boring it's just like chickens pecking at each other yeah i did not rewatch it but i i remember her and i think it's a very valid choice uh gavin what about you it's funny because my one star review is actually from a a similar era uh this is a movie that i almost skipped and then i was like you know what might as well i've I've never heard of it um journey to the end of the night it's a crime thriller Uh. from 2006 um Directed by Eric Eason, also starring Yaslin Bay, which most people know as Most Deaf, uh, but he since changed his name, Scott Glenn, Alice Braga. Um, it's about this crime family. Brennan Fraser plays Scott Glenn's son. Scott Glenn plays a character named Sinatra. LOL. So clever. <laughs> um, and they're in Brazil, and they're trying to uh, complete this drug deal, and they have this go-between Um, who you meet in the very first scene and dies while having sex with a trans woman. And so they need a new go-between who can speak this African language. And so Scott Glenn hires uh, Most Deaf, this character Wemba, to to go do this drug deal because he will only speak to, to the, you know, in this African language. And he fucks it up and everything goes bad. Uh, My real problem with this is Brendan... Fraser plays this like 
totally sadistic character paul like when he meets this trans woman when he finds the first go-between has died and he meets this trans woman he slashes her face casually with a razor blade um you know he orders one of his men to shoot a dog you know it's it's just the it's it's scene after scene of them being like isn't he bad isn't he terrible look at how bad he is he's not up for it right I Bre- Brennan thinking, Fraser if there's I one thing he can't that. play it's it's fully evil and it right. just you never buy it you just never for one second think this is a man ordering another man to shoot a dog and I, I feel bad being like she doesn't have the range but she doesn't have the range for this tell him that if he doesn't cooperate you're gonna shoot his dog <coughs> what <coughs> I'm not gonna shoot his dog man yeah you are gonna shoot his fucking dog it's no good man it's no good <coughs> let me explain something to you Okay. We're fucked forever. Shut we don't find this African dude. Okay, that means no money. No money for you, no money for me, no money for anybody. We might as well just jump in front of a fucking train. Am I getting through to you? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the there's a reason why you cast two white men and then you put them in a foreign city and have them be evil. Right. But then to do nothing truly with any of the minority characters to make them so paper thin it's like okay well now you've lost your point about how awful white people are as well too because everything is so paper thin that it doesn't it doesn't it didn't say anything this movie was a pointless exercise in like how graphic can we be and yeah i just did not find it enjoyable at all and once again brendan is very much the weak spot um louis do you have a one-star review for us i do i do um and we've talked about it uh, a little bit at length is 1996's uh, Mrs. Winterbourne. <laughs> I can't believe. Also, so this is a movie that is based off a novel called "I Married a Dead Man," which is a yes. great title. A great title. The and, movie- and previously made into a thriller movie starring Barbara Stanwyck in yes. the in the Mrs. Winterbourne role. Yes, and it, like it's been made in French. It's been made in Hindi. What the? Fu- Why is it called Mrs. Winterbourne? Right. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it is the most want to be like you know interesting high concept movie but like made with like i don't know fucking like lace gloves on it and and ricky <laughs> lake playing you know like she's like i'm just a kid from new york and i don't understand like I, yeah that, that whole bit to me was so grating and i like Shirley mcclain is doing her best and you know good for her and like is very loving and like there is you know there are some sweet moments here but i think brendan unfortunately the brendan fraser that i want to see is the one that died at the beginning of this movie yeah, totally i want to watch his movie yeah he's like wearing like a vest and like cool glasses and then we just end up with like and i was t- telling sam this like this guy his whole character is how he is only into business he hates fun and love and everything they literally go hang out at a park for one day and all of a sudden his entire personality changes and yeah. he, like i was like who fucking wrote this fucking movie and, <laughs> and i just don't think and again like we mentioned in bedazzled i think he's up for the game of like playing all these characters in this movie it just seems like he's like the bit of like being boring is not working out and he he can't really swing it and boring man turned into like you know puppy love dog man it just really isn't working for moi what do you think of patricia i think she's terrific i think i think so too i think i like her uh-huh. is it okay i mean you know she's my brother's widow maybe 
Maybe not, but we can leave that for now. <laughs> I mean, shouldn't I be feeling guilty or something? I don't know what I'm feeling. Happy? Could be. Could be happy. Could be an aneurysm. This movie, to me, desperately wants to be Pretty Woman. Like, yes. it very much wants to be like, you know, girl from the wrong side of the streets, rich family, and like kind of the kookiness of that. But like, it's just too scared to like really fucking go there. And instead it's just like, it, it, it's hampered I, on all, all angles. I am not going to take back my statement from before though. I do really think the scene where he kisses her from the first time is very sweet. Oh my God, and incredible. I, yeah, and I, I think felt, I think he I acts the heck him. out of that. Yeah, I, I really like that scene too. But okay, let's get out of our one-star reviews and let's head over to our five-star reviews. So... I, I, I knew this was going to be my pick going in, and I, I stuck to my guns. Wow. It is 1999's Blast from the Past. Ah! I fucking <laughs> I, I just think, I, I, to me, it's like truly, I'm like, is that just Brendan Fraser's personality? Is he just because, <laughs> just like. Sad little puppy dog man who's also like really adorable. Yeah, right. It's just, I mean, if. Imagine if this man weren't hot. What a what a fucking nightmare he would be. But because, <laughs> because he looks like Brendan Fraser, he just gets away with everything. And I just think this story is so funny and such a like interesting satirical take on like Cold War politics. Yeah. Christopher Walken truly doing the least but giving the most. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I mean, that's 90s Christopher Walken for yeah. you. <laughs> And I mean, the way that he's trying to explain baseball to his yes, the, the Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I was just thinking that the he's like, and so then you hit the ball with a bat, the nocturnal flying mammal. Right. No, like <laughs> I think it's like the it's the innocence he plays innocent so well, and he's right. such a big like you know it's he he does that so well, and and because again it's like this kind of he does unknowing like he's a tall strapping handsome man and so when like the women are like fawning all over him he's like what's going on like oh no eve i and the whole adam and eve of it all like it's yeah right it's it's silly but i i i too also deeply love Flash of the past i i probably watch this movie once if not twice a year <laughs> it just gives me so much joy and i i always was like very into it but then i watched it in, during the pandemic, though we're still in a pandemic, but like the height of it, and I was like, "Oh, this is all of us." Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> all of right now, we are all trapped and reemerging, and like don't know how to interact with the world anymore. I still don't. I never did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, I just think that you know he's got great ke- chemistry with Alicia Silverstone. Sing it to me. I have often walked down this street before. But the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before. All at once am I several stories high, knowing I'm on the street where you live. It's a song about a young man who's overjoyed just to be standing in front of the house of the person that he loves. 
it felt to me like they were handling with care. Like there is a lot of humanity in this movie. Yeah. Even though it's such a high concept and like it could easily go to like, you know, and there are crazy kooky bits. Like there's the whole gag of like the people who think they're like God or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the weak spot for me. That's the area where I'm like, where are the jokes? Like, come on. Right. Like, and, the, and that is the part where they, tr- they, ignore for a long time yeah, they like, keep, well yeah when they come back you're like we're still doing this like oh right exactly um, like, i i will say i also just really like the look of the movie i think it really captures the very kitschy like like commercially 1960s and then i love yeah. that it like is like oh yeah 1997 is hell right <laughs> like, right, right. I mean, but like, also, it's it kind of captures the perfect because we were in that like zoot suit riot fantasy obsession like it's the perfect right. encapsulation of like yeah the 60s and coming back around to the 90s and like the reflection of each other uh yeah very good pick sam thank you um gavin what about you i it's it's funny because i came into this knowing what my five-star review was and then i changed it last minute Uh-oh. because because oh. i think doing this and watching this and like recontextualizing Brendan Fraser's career to me and like understanding kind of who he is. Um, I came into this being like, Oh, it's gotta be gods and monsters. And then watch gods and monsters. I was like, he's good in it, but he's not the highlight. Right. And so I think for me, it's gotta be 1999's the mummy. Uh And I, I think it's because like what he's doing in the mummy is he's so confident. He's so charming, but he's also really, pushing into those comedy areas areas like rick is uh you know the classic sort of like hunky buffoon he is the himbo yeah and the the thing that like that makes him work is how brave he is but outside of that bravery there's not a ton going on up here. Uh, And I think he really leans into that and plays it really well. A lot of people compare this to Indiana Jones. And I think like you could say, yeah, like the, the thing that works about Indiana Jones is he's so cool and he's not like a tough guy. You know, the very famous scene of, there's the guy with the sword who does all the sword tricks and he just pulls out a gun and shoots him right. because yeah. he knows he's never going to win in that fight. And I think that there's a lot of that in Rick O'Connell, but the difference is, is Rick O'Connell is not book smart by right, any means. Right, right, right. And, and that's, and like Indiana Jones is, is an archeologist who knows all this shit. And Rick O'Connell's just kind of like, I am here for the adventure. I am here to like get the girl to, to make her swoon. I get your father and I get your mother. uh, I get him, but what are you doing here? Oh, look, I I may not be an explorer or or an adventurer or a treasure seeker or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I... I'm a librarian. And I am going to kiss you, Mr. O'Connell. They call me Rick. I think the mummy's just so fun. I think it's very stylish. It's maybe the best thing Stephen Summers has ever made. Um, it's, you know, throwback to the 30s serials, but it also has like, you know, that beautiful lighting, that sweeping nature of it. Yeah, I. I really dig 1999's The Mummy a lot. 
Yeah. And so much chemistry with him. Oh my life. God. Like ser- seriously, if they had ended up being a couple in real life, I would have been like, yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Mom totally. and dad together. Finally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, very good pick, Gavin. Um, I think my pick is a little out of left field, but I'm just going to go with it. I really, really, really like and have to give it to 1992's Encino Man. Um, good choice. Yeah, nice. I don't think that's, that's weird. I think, you know, this is that's so, a lot of acting. It's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, first he has maybe six lines. He is just giving the most though. And again, I think the thing that I love about him, I think that sets him apart from Chris Pratt in that whole, you know, genre of actor is his, he, he emotes so well in his face and he has a lot going on in his eyes. Um, I truly mm-hmm. think for all of what we talked about and objectifying his body a lot for me is what is going on you know in his mouth and his eyes and his massive forehead like and it's all just he's he's so physical and he's able to like just deliver so much um i think the performance is just true and literally it's him next to Polly shore who's doing the most and doing being annoying or whatever and yeah i i don't know I can't imagine. I mean, it's funny you mentioning um, Jim Carrey because, like, it is in that realm. But I feel like sometimes Jim Carrey goes so far, like he loses the humanity. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, Sam has something to say, um, <laughs> but I, I think there's a lot of humanity still in this, even though, like, it's and it's to what you're saying. He's the the fish out of water, you know. Like he is. This is the ultimate fish out of water movie, and it firmly establishes his strength and being the odd man out. I mean, Blast of the Past is this movie, you know, it's, it's the fish yeah. out of water. Um, and I mean, I would even say in the mummy, he's a fish out of water because even though he's like the guy, the action adventure guy, he's not the, like, let's dig up a tomb and fight a supernatural beast. Right. right. He's, he's like, like, I'd like to leave. Please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's He literally <laughs> spends 90% of the mummy being like, I would like to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, no, I, guess- I mean, and and Cedar Man is such a good choice. And uh, he, the, this this the scene where they're like cleaning him and <laughs> like giving him a bath, and it, it's like I'm too sexy. Like I know that's burned in my memory the as a kid. The just watching so that good. scene and cracking up. It's just and how all the girls are obsessed with him. Yeah, <laughs> for, no reason. It, for no reason. For no reason. That's, for it, no reason. It, uh, my favorite bit in that movie. What, like one of the few times he has dialogue is when Sean Astin's trying to like give him his name. Right, right, right. And yes. he keeps just like hitting Sean Astin and saying his own name back to him. Link. Link. No. You're Link. I'm Dave. Dave. Dave, Dave. No. Dave, Dave. Dave, 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 Dave. Yes. <laughs> Real quick, is there anything else that you saw that you particularly liked? Well, Gods and Monsters, I think, you know, none of yeah. us chose it, but like is an incredible movie and he's great in it. But like you said, it is the Ian McKellen show. Yeah, that's the thing is like it, he's so good in it, but like it, it's like Ian McKellen just it's it's hard to watch anybody else um, because he's just stealing the show. I put George of the Jungle up there because I don't think anyone else could do that. Yep. Like I can't picture i mean could you see like fucking mark Wahlberg yeah, in that no. role? yeah that's no. sadly who it would have been like if it yeah. wasn't him it would have been mark Wahlberg, and what a terrible movie that would have been right right i think like right. encino airheads and george's jungle are like the slapstick trifecta of his career you know that that to that point like it only could be him 
Um, and yeah. it's so, so good. But okay, now let's do our mixed reviews reviews. So my one star was 2007's The Air I Breathe. My one star review was 2006's Journey to the End of the Night. My one star review was 1996's Mrs. Winterborn. My five star review was 1999's Blast from the Past. My five star review was also from 1999, The Mummy. And my five star review was 1992's Encino Man. All right, let's get into our fast forward. So we we kind of hinted at it earlier, but he like he now is booked and blessed. And you you did mention it's the Renaissance, like it truly is. Uh, he's working with the directors now. He's gonna be he's already shot both of these films, but he's starring in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Um, he's also in Martin Scorsese's Killer of, of the Flower Moon, and he's currently and I think they maybe just wrapped. Um, playing Firefly and the upcoming Batgirl movie for HBO Max. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see because you know as I mentioned before I was like ugh not a good villain, but like Firefly is like a different creature like a, like I mean right. it's like a man who's like a pyromaniac and who knows what sort of background they're going to give him, uh, but I think that'll be an interesting thing to see and. Cool to see him get, you know, a little bit of that superhero money because yeah. he kind of, besides the mummy, which is not superhero, kind of never got into that game. Right. I ended up renting about $40 worth of movies wow. because I just hoped that maybe he'd see. Like I'm the one fan. <laughs> I, I mean, I, if I can help pay for some like, Horse food, yeah. Or mm-hmm. I'm, I, I want to support and I want to be here. I, and this is, this is very Gavin of me, but I want to see him on Broadway. Yeah. I don't know if either of you saw No Sudden Move from last year. Yeah. He's very good in that. And that's like a very character piece. And I, I think that's where, you know, that's sort of what he, I'm happy to see him do that now. I'm happy to see him like, get to be this thing where now he gets to play and now he doesn't have to be the the hot guy and and doesn't have to worry about that right element of it i will say like i'm a little bit so aronofsky his film the whale coming up i'm a little bit nervous about what oh i'm terrified um it's about i mean the log line is it's a 600 pound man who's trying to reconnect with his 17 year old daughter the two grew apart after he abandoned his family for his gay lover who died apparently this man has become 600 pounds out of pain and guilt. I don't like that the movie's called The Fucking Whale and it's about a 600 pound man. Like that already to me is red fucking flags. But also again, this is Aronofsky. So it could be fucking like an actual whale. Like you you never fucking know with this fucking guy. Um, I think me and Gavin have been pretty vocal about um <laughs> mother um so <laughs> we, we almost destroyed a whole other podcast with yeah it. yeah yeah <laughs> um so we'll see I, I i that that is very much in line to what we're talking about though and like clearly this is not about his body uh, but or maybe it is but in a very different way um I, i'm i'm most excited for Batgirl to be clear but that's because like it's it's going to be fun it's going to be silly it's going to be popcorn and it's a return to him doing the popcorn stuff which I think he's really good at um I think like this new era of him doing stuff like no sudden move um is still kind of like 
murky waters. We'll see how it turns out, but I'm excited <laughs> to like see how it comes out. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it, especially because it's coming out like, because isn't the whale like opening like this year? Yeah. Well, I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon's also, to my knowledge, supposed to be this year or very early yeah. next year. So, like... He's coming for his Oscar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, so we're all feeling a little nervous. We're, so, but... <laughs> we're, nervous, we're nervous for the future, but hopeful. Okay. Right. Uh, I, I do want to ask, since since you brought Brendan to us, and I, and I think this has, for the most part, been fun. And like you said at the beginning, there have been stinkers and things that I wish I could take back of having okay. seen. But, but uh, has your opinion changed of him at all? I love him more. Like, nice. I, I, I thought I, I thought I like cared about him. <laughs> <laughs> Going into I mean, this. there's that really great in- recent interview where he like teared up hearing how much people support I him. Know. So like, he tipped his hat and said, "Thank all shucks." Yeah, <laughs> uh, so sweet. I will say my opinion changed, and not in a negative way, but like just I, he's not who I thought he was in terms of being an actor. Like I do think he's a better character. Like I thought he was just like hot guy actor. Right. And I think right. he's a better character actor than he's than he's been allowed to play for a lot of the movies because he spent, you know, like two thirds of his life being abs. Right. And I think right. like if there is a distinction and there is a distinction between him and Chris Pratt or the Chris Pratt's of the world is that he is putting himself more out there. You know, when Brendan Fraser is in these movies, it's not like, oh, look, it's Brendan being Brendan. Right. Where like Chris Pratt is like Chris Pratt is just Chris Pratting about being himself. And that's that's why, you know, they pay him because they want him to do that specific thing. Like George the Jungle is very different than gods and monsters you know and they're both really successful performances um and like even though he doesn't have the complete range he's got some range you know yeah there are plenty of range like i we can't ask everything of him right Um, but like when when the bits land they they land you know and like a bad movie i would say the bad movies he's in aren't because of him being bad like they're just fucking bad movies like they're poorly written and like they're shit um, but he's always down for the game and like even in the stuff that I fucking really didn't like and that he probably didn't like like Inkheart and stuff like that like he is giving his action adventure comedy you know all to these movies um, which is clear because his body's fucking like you know been through hell and back um, so you know we're nervous but hopeful we'll see how it goes um, it's kind of interesting we haven't really had a subject like this where it's like oh there's actually a lot on the horizon a lot and it, and it, it seems to be like really new and different than what he's been doing before so yeah um onward and forward girlies <laughs> well i think that wraps brennan fraser up in a nice tiny little bow and maybe a little loincloth uh, <laughs> before we exit out sam where can we find you online? You are su- like genuinely such a delight. I love when you're on the show. And I, well, I'm gonna come again. <laughs> and it's and it's so good to see you. Like I don't know, you have such a like bright face. I don't know. It's a it's wonderful. Where can we find you online? How can people get see your stuff? And oh uh, well, I'm at Samantha J Stallard everywhere but Twitter because it's too long. So S <laughs> J Stallard on Twitter. And I know I said this last time I was here, but I'm gonna say it again. This, this show is so fun, but it's so incredibly hard. So just like, remember every time you listen to an episode, the truly hours, days of work that go into these, because I've done 
two in two years and honey, I got to wait another year. So. <laughs> Sam's exhausted. I'm exhausted. There, there is a, there's a full day of edit after this too. So yeah. there's. <laughs> Gavin said, oh, you're done. I'm not. Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much, Sam, for coming. You are obviously a delight. Um, thank you for buying all of our merch. You have more merch than I do, hon. Uh, I literally do. Literally do. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, please go buy our merch. It's all on Redbubble. Just search for us there. Um, we've got some cute stuff. We do. The Camp and Cinema sweatshirt oh. kills me. If you do want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're also on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can write us little love notes at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. I need to get better at checking that. <laughs> We're also on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And you can listen to us as you just have in this very long episode on a plethora of <laughs> podcast apps. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, Audible. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please stop by. Leave us a five-star rating. Yes, I said five stars. And write us a little review and we'll read it on the show. And if you don't want us to read it on the show, you don't have to write us a little review. But we will take the five-star rating. Yes. And also <laughs> we're on TikTok where Gavin is battling teens every day. <laughs> They're all on my side now. We have we have over a thousand followers very early. And I was... I'm. Pleased. Pleased to sponge. Pleased to sponge. Um, with that, thank you guys so much. And we will be back with more guests and other subjects. Thank you so much for listening. And bye.